What a powerful week. And, and if, you're here, if you were here for our Easter services for the first time, we welcome you back. Some of you are visiting for the Merry Monarch. Congratulations to all the contestants. Some of you are not here, so I have to speak to you online because you're sleeping. You just went to bed about two hours ago. Some of you didn't sleep, but that's okay. God will still speak. And for those of you who are visiting from Outer Island, we welcome you to the beautiful island of Hawaii. So thank you guys for being here. We are continuing in our series, Rediscover. And the reason why we're talking about this word, Rediscover, is because sometimes in life, we forget how good life can be. And sometimes we, we learn about certain things, and it's, it's great in the beginning. And then after a while, we slowly lose that newness to it. And that can happen in a relationship, that can happen with your job, that can happen with school. The beginning phase is so good because it's a new thing, but then as time goes on, that newness goes by and it goes away. Like your car, you buy a brand new car, after a while, the newness goes away and you start complaining about the car, it starts breaking down. That sounds like marriage. You get married, everything's good. After a while, you start breaking down. We get older, things aren't the same relationships are like that, but life can be like that. And the life that God has given to us is supposed to have an uncommon way of living. In other words, when we said yes to Jesus, there's a new kind of life that he, he wants us to live and promises come with it. The Bible says it like this. In fact, if you have your bulletin, you can take out your notes or as Erica was explaining, you can take out your, your app uh, and open your app and, and follow along with it. But when we, when we take a look at what, what the, the life that God has given to us, he wants us to live a life that is more than average, more than what the world will ever offer. And so he says, he says this in John chapter 10, verse 10, and some of us know this scripture, but he says this, Jesus says, the thief comes, the, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then he says this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know, for those who said yes to Jesus and those who really want to press into the things of God, you're going to hear every so often, uh, you know, read your Bible or do devotions or we have what we call rooted and growing, which is discipleship. And you can uh, learn together. Uh, you learn in smaller groups. We have this Thursday uh, uh, Tim Tebow, he's not coming here, but I, if I said it that way, I'll get your attention. Uh, we, we have a video curriculum that we're going to go through for four weeks. It's called Shaken, and Tim Tebow talks about his life in the NFL and as a believer, how he's able to deal with the ups and downs of the NF, uh, his NFL career as well as life itself. So that's going to start this Thursday. But I think of all the things that God surrounds us with, his wisdom, his word, uh, people, the church, which, which is the people, and, and, and devotional learning or learning from the Bible, reading his word. I think of all the things that he surrounds us with, it is so that we can live the life that is more abundant, that he promised for us. Because you and I will we'll live a life in this world most of the time drained, tired, with less energy, and joyless. It takes a lot to be joyful in this world. I mean, if we just take a look around us, there are too many things that crowd us to, to weaken us, to zap our strength, to pull us away from the things of God. If I take this, uh, this well-known superhero, probably the most famous of them all, 
and illustrated in this way. His name is Superman. Now, Superman, from what I understand, if that's your superhero, if I get this wrong, I am so sorry. That's not my superhero, so I don't know too much about him. But he apparently comes from Krypton, and he comes to Earth. And on his way to Earth, is that right? He's from Krypton, right? Okay, if you don't know, then you can't even correct me anyway. So he comes from his home planet, and as he comes to Earth, because his, his home planet had a red sun, uh, our planet has a, a yellow sun, because of the differences, when he comes to our planet, he gains certain abilities, and he gets a strength that he never had before, and he gets his power from the sun, and his energy from the sun. It gives him that life. Well... His weakness is kryptonite, right? That green uh, material. That zaps him of his strength and life and can kill him, supposedly. Now, when he's exposed to kryptonite and it weakens him, he has to now get his energy from the sun. And it renews his strength and life comes back and so if you watched any of the movies that, you know, that happens, you understand the context or the, the illustration of where he gets his energy from. And because of the, the sun, now he doesn't really have to worry about that going away because he can always come back to that source, which is always shining. So even though something may weaken him, there's also something that will give him strength. In fact, the other day... Um, uh, Heidi and I were talking, and someone gave us cookies uh, just to give, and I'm so thankful because my kryptonite is desserts and cookies. That's my kryptonite. That's what weakens me. That, I mean, if, if there are cookies in the house, I will eat it or tell Heidi, get it out of here. So I ate one of the cookies just so that, you know, I tasted what the person made for me, and it was peanut butter cookies. Now, that's another kryptonite for me, peanut butter. Because if there's peanut butter in something, then it just, that's my kryptonite. So I told Heidi, I said, you know, the rest of the cookies, can you just give it away to our grandchildren? I can't, I can't have that in the house. She says, no, 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 why don't you just eat the rest? Now, they gave me a bag, so I'm not going to eat the rest. Because when you get older, each cookie is a pound that you gain. So I said, no, I don't need it. Get it out of here. So she said, no, 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 it's good. You should eat it. I th- didn't you have any? I, I thought you didn't have any. I said, no, I tried one. That's good enough, so give the rest away. And I said, plus two, that's my kryptonite. She goes, that's not your kryptonite. I'm your kryptonite. I said, you're not my kryptonite. You're my son. She goes, ah, I'm your son? I give you energy and joy? I said, no, you give me burn, sunburn. You sunburn. <laughs> no, I didn't say that, but she was saying that. Oh, I'm your kryptonite. And I thought, oh, I just said something romantic. And then that was it. That's, you know, it wasn't really romantic at all. But I did think of, we all have weaknesses. We all have something in our life that drains us, weakens us, even though we know the Lord. And sometimes we tend to forget that there is an enemy, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If that's his only agenda, then when he comes around, that's all he's looking for, to steal, kill, and destroy. These three areas already happens in our life, even though we don't understand it. It happens. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus sums it up and he says, but hang on, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
See, Superman, the reason why he's called Superman is because he's more than man. He's, he's, he's above average. He has a different kind of ability than the normal person. It's uncommon, the abilities that he has. And so when we, when we can liken it to life, the life that God has given to us is uncommon than that of any other people that don't know God. It's a, it's, a, it's a more than regular life, a more than average life that he gives to us. And we may think in our mind, then, then how come I don't have more money? How come I, don't, I, I can't spend more time with my family? Where is this more that God has promised? Which is pretty interesting because when we hear the word more, we think of things. It's a natural default for us as human beings to think of more things, more money, more cars, more, a bigger house, more things. But God says, no, that's, you're forgetting that you're above average. Not better than or put yourself in a, a higher place, but you, your life is different than that of the world. Because if you're trying to compare to the world, that should never be your standard. You should always look to me because I should be your standard. That's where you want to be. And so Jesus says, I'll give you the kind of life that is more than just average. And when it comes to life from God, joy from God, energy from God, go to the Son of God. Because he's the one that will be our resource that never goes away. The enemy, the devil, tries to steal from us and weaken us. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you life and life more abundantly. To steal means to take away by stealth, like a pickpocketer. They, they pinpoint people and they look at the people that are most vulnerable so that when they pick their pockets, they don't even know until it's too late. When they're going to pay for something, they're looking for their wallet and thinking, where, where's my wallet? And they can't trace back where it came from or where, where it was stolen. That's what the devil does. When he steals, he comes by stealth. And he comes in such a way that's so crafty that he has studied us. He knows our weaknesses. So by the time he steals from us, we don't even know it until sometimes it's too late. It's way down the road. Marriage has fallen apart. Finance is bad. Uh, uh, Our attitude, uh, just the way we think. But then to us, it may seem like it's too late. But Jesus said, hang on. But I have come that you might have life and that you would have it more abundantly. In other words, there's no point that you can be in or, or, or point in the process of when the devil steals something that Jesus cannot restore. Yeah, the thief comes to steal, but Jesus says, I came to give you life. I came to give. So it's never too late when it comes to Christ. And when the devil comes to steal, it means to sacrifice, to slaughter. In other words, we will sacrifice certain things when the devil comes to kill. Sometimes we sacrifice our family, our time. We sacrifice finances that shouldn't go to certain things. We sacrifice so much that it ruins our life. And the devil has his way. And he says, I came to kill. That's his only agenda. And then he came to destroy, to make matters worse, to bring to ruin, to render useless, to declare that one must be put to death or to devote, to give to eternal misery in hell. That's his agenda. He doesn't want us to be happy, even though it may seem like things are going well. It's like a magic trick, an illusion, when they're saying, hey, take a look at this hand. This other hand is doing something else. And it's like, poof, like, oh, wow. And then next thing you know, hey, where's my watch? Yeah, it seems nice at the time, but then something's gone. Something's destroyed. And it could be our very own life. The life that God has given to us is real and genuine. 
a life that is active and vigorous. This is a life that Jesus is talking about. A life that is devoted to God, that is blessed by God, that it lasts forever. When he says more abundant, he says this is, this is a life that is above and beyond the normal. This is above and beyond. More than is necessary, something further. More, much more than all. It's superior, extraordinary. It's uncommon. It's surpassing. So how do we rediscover life when we've been weakened by the enemy, by our sins, by our mistakes, or even our own past, or even our own thoughts or choices? How do we do this? What if we're, what if, you may be in a place that you're saying, what if I live, I live a great life? What if my life is fine? Why would I need God? What if, I mean, all my life I've been getting along without God. Things have been going great. Well, I, I want you to imagine if that's, if your life is great now, that's common. You can find other lifestyles in our world that is like yours or a great life. But Jesus said, I came to give you life, but life more abundantly. In other words, imagine what it could be like with Christ. Because it's a life more abundant and you wouldn't know what it's like until you get there. It's an abundant life. It's a great life. Because we can all benefit from the life that Jesus wants to bless us with by understanding these three key principles of Christ when it comes to life. And here's the first thing, if you want to write this in or put it in your app, that Jesus wants to give to us. He's a giver. Someone uh, spoke to me about the video we just saw right before the, uh, we, I came up here, and they saw the solar panels on our roof. And he said, I didn't know we had that many solar panels. They were thinking that we just had a small section. I said, no, no, no. Right now, when it's sunny like this, we're not using any electricity. In fact, we're feeding our community electricity right now. And I said this to him because God is a giver. That's what God does. See, we may think, oh, we did solar panels so that we don't have a high electricity bill. That's a part of it. That's a blessing. But more than that, we're providing resources for our community. See, you... When you understand that Jesus wants to give, then we understand that when we're with him and when we live a life that's pleasing to him or a life that is connected with him, he, he's not a taker. Sometimes we misconstrue what is happening. And, oh, you just want to take more time from you. you want to take, no, no. He wants to add. He wants to give to you. He wants to give you love and hope and, and life and all good things. That comes from him. See, that word steal, we recognize as to take another person's property without permission or legal right and without intending to return it. So if I'm going to steal something from someone, I don't have any intention to return it. That's called borrow. But for some of you, you got to borrow back from some people because they just had it a long time. And you got to, hey, I can borrow my tools back. I can borrow my golf clubs. But the devil, when he steals, he has no intention of giving it back. He's not going to steal from you life and joy and then later on return it and say, oh, sorry, my bad. He's, that's it. That's all he came to do. But Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift. And here it is. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, the intentions that Jesus has are good. He has good intentions when he gives us gifts. 
There are some times when people will give you a gift, they have good intentions, but the gift doesn't match the heart in which it was given. In other words, the intention is good, it's the thought that counts, but when you receive the gift, it's like, ah, I don't know, I don't, I don't wear that. Well, how can you buy me this kind of shoes? I don't wear that kind of shoes. This kind of slipper, I don't wear this kind of slipper. Hats, I don't even wear hats. So you receive a gift, but it doesn't match the heart in which it was given because they, they, it was a thought that counts. But wouldn't it be great if every gift someone gave to you is a gift you actually like? Like, you, like they give you a gift that you can actually use, not have to think about how I'm going to throw this away and not feel bad. How am I going to, can I re-gift this, give this away? Wouldn't it be great if, if you got a gift that was always what you needed or wanted? Now, we live in a world, it's okay. People are going to give gifts because they love us. But Jesus gives a gift that not only matches his heart and good intention, but it's also good for us and we need it. And it's the life that he promised for us. The other day, uh, someone gave us a, a jar of pickle mango. It's another one of my weaknesses, like uh, these types of snacks. And so they said, oh, here, take this. And I'm thinking, no, that's too much. That's way too much. In the inside, I'm like, but I actually want the whole thing. But, you know, i got to act holy. So I'm like, no, uh, no, 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 I don't want the whole thing. But please give me the whole thing. I don't want the whole thing. No, put it in a smaller Ziploc bag, a gallon Ziploc bag. Just put it. I don't, I don't want the whole thing. And they said, hey, you do the same thing. So don't even act if it's something you like. If it was something I didn't like, I'm like, no, I don't want the whole thing. You know, I give to the community. I like share because I have a hard time sharing. I don't know about you. But when it's something I like, I have a hard time sharing. So when it was pickle mango and they said, no, take the whole thing, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, if, if you want to give it to us, and I'm not going to rob you of your blessing of wanting to be a giver. So we took it, and, and then Heidi said, no, we can share. We can share with each other. I'm like, they never give them to you. <laughs> they, like they're handing them to They gave it to us. I understand that. But it, it's just I, I, I do have a hard time giving when it's, something I like. It's very difficult. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> so, so when it comes to life, when it comes to love and hope, that's why Jesus has to give that to us. Because it's not going to be of us. It's going to be of his. It's a never-ending life. It's a never-ending love. It's a never-ending joy. He gives that to us so that we can give that away for those of us who have a hard time sharing. And he says, it's not going to be yours. It's going to be mine that you have to give away. And it's never-ending, so you never run out. Imagine never running out of pickle mango. I mean, that would be kind of unhealthy, but we can eat in moderation. Imagine the life that God gives to us. Imagine the joy that he gives to us. Imagine the, the vision that he gives to us for our life. It's never ending. It's his resource that is given to us. Imagine, imagine what our marriages could be like, our families and our life could be like from a source that is never ending, that is ever so powerful, that he says, I want to give to you. I want to give you life. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 it says, I will give you a new heart and put, on, and put a new spirit within you. I will, take, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, he's saying this, this stone heart, this, this heart that is unchanging, this heart that is unreceptive, unresponsive, a heart that doesn't want to receive instruction, I'm going to give you a new one, one that is receptive, one that is new. 
that is moldable and is able to receive instruction from me, one that is receptive. Why does, why does he have to give us a new heart? Because the life that he promises to us is going to require this much heart. It's going to require us to be responsive to him, receptive to him, able to change with him. It's a tender heart. Because Jesus wants to live in us. If you want to write this in your second point, that he wants to live in us. That's why we need this new heart. He cannot live in a person's heart that is like stone and is unchangeable. He says, I cannot give you new life if I'm not living in you. And I cannot live in you if you don't have a new heart. That's why he always looks at our heart. I want to give you a new heart. So when things come at us and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he says, hang on, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Here it is. I'm going to start with your heart. And when I start there, I can add everything in. Why? Because it's not going to be overload. You're going to have more abundantly that is not common in our world today. That you're going to be able to receive this life. Why? Because I've given you a new heart. It's required He first came to this earth and then died on the cross and resurrected so that we could have a new life-giving spirit from him. Without his spirit living in us, that life-giving spirit, we can only do so much and go so far with the so-called energy that we have on our own human strength. But he says, I'm going to give you a life that is above average, that is more than what is commonly known because you're you're going to live this promised life that I visioned out for you, that I've planned for you. And, it, and it's gonna, you're going to need my spirit. My spirit is required because it's a life-giving spirit. And because of this life-giving spirit that he gives, it's available to everyone, to anyone, no matter what we've been through. He says, it doesn't matter where you've been. It's not based on your good behavior. It's based on my goodness. So when his life-giving spirit comes inside of us, it's not us who is living that abundant life, it's his life in us. It's not a behavioral modification. It's his spirit living in us, bringing us to life, to a new life. As Galatians 2.20 tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know who's writing this? Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle came to know Christ in a different way than anyone else. Everyone else was with the birth, the life, the death, and then resurrection of Jesus. Paul finds Christ after Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave. It's post-resurrection. So when Paul sees Christ and gives Christ his heart in exchange for this new heart, Paul comes to know Christ first through the resurrection. And then he understands the death on the cross, the life of Christ, and the birth of Christ. It's almost like in reverse fashion. But nonetheless, he came to know Christ, and now he understands, wait a minute, I can't, I can't live this life apart from you. That is supposed to be an abundant, promising life. It has to be with you. Because I'm not to live just in a Christ-like way. I'm supposed to live with Christ in me. That is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. There's a difference A Christ-like way means you behave well. But Christ in us means he lives through us. Our behavior is secondary. It's like if Christ is living in and through us, we won't have to focus so much on behaving well. 
doing so well, doing the right things. It's Christ, you live in me, live through me. Help me to make the right decisions. Help me to give me the wisdom required to be a better father, a mother, a person. It's Christ in us, not trying to just modify our behavior. That only works for a season, but the Christian life is not a matter of behaving like Christ, but allowing Christ himself to live in and through us, which people will say, wow, they behave like Christ, but that's not our focus. Our focus is that Christ would live in and through us. Romans 8.10 tells it like this, and Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Only Jesus can make us right with God. All of our sins, all the things that we have done and will ever do, Christ paid for on the cross. And because of our belief in him, now we have this life, this, this life that he promised us, this spirit life that comes to life when we say yes to him. See, everyone wants life. Everyone wants more. But if we're not careful, we're going to exchange the wrong more for the life and life abundant that God has promised to us. This is why when we look at it in our world today, with whatever happens, we, we, all, we always want more. We want more things. But it becomes almost uh, hard to grasp because of the way the world is going. Uh, because even though you want more and you want to have more and, and gain more, when you see what's happening around the world, it almost... There's almost a sense of, but why? Why would I want more? Aren't we all going to die in the end anyway? So it's almost like a, a joyless life. Or what future do we have to look forward to? It, we can almost live with that kind of mentality. And at the same time, if we're not careful, while we're going through life, once we come to that mindset, it's almost like the devil already stole, killed, and destroyed and we never live this joyful, abundant life that God promised us. Why? Because we're, we're, we're comparing it to the ways of the world rather than the promises of God. If we're so focused on the world, then we can only reach so high in our joy, in our, in our so-called happiness, because the world is providing it for us. But if in the end we all die, in fact, that's what uh, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said, what, what is life? It's meaningless. We all die in the end. What he's saying is if you're, if you're focusing on what's happening in the world and that's your measurement for life, it is meaningless. However, when you focus your life with the things of God, that's eternal. Now it's meaningful. Now there's purpose. Now there can be joy. Why? Because there's a never-ending source that is given. It's not the world that is giving you the source of life. It's God himself who is the source of life, who gives you life more abundant. It'll always be in him. And it never goes away. It never dies because he is forever. He's eternal. You know, we live in a day and age where we have great technology and fun technology. Uh, there was just a keynote uh, with technology on social media where, and, and you have this already with Snapchat, and if you do these things, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll catch the gist of it, where you can put, uh, it's called augmented reality, where you can like video yourself and you can put words and, and different pictures, and it's in the screen that you're videoing. So it's called augmented reality where people watching it 
will get a kick out of it because, oh, that's so cute. Look, there's a rainbow behind them. Look at those jumping things. Look at the animal in the background. You can put a headband on your head. You can make yourself look like a puppy. Some of you guys are like, look at me like I'm a dog. Nah, nah. And it's fun. And so you send it out to people. And so you can put different things. You put flowers on your hair. You can even make yourself look better, take out all the flaws. And so you look good and people see you in real life. They're like, who are you? So that's what augmented reality does. And now we're coming to a day and age where you could be absolutely alone at home by yourself. And all you need to do is add in people. Oh, my oh, no more TV on my wall. I want a 55 screen. Ah, 60. Let's go 75. 75-inch TV screen. And you can add all these things in your background. You can even put yourself at a concert. I'm at a concert. Woohoo! Yeah! I'm at a concert. Woohoo! Send. Um, by myself. So you can, you can actually do that. You can be at a beach somewhere and like, look at me, I'm traveling, traveling, hitting it big time, yeah. Um, by myself. That's, that's the way technology is going. And you can, you can put whatever, you can be anywhere and then say, this is where I am. And we're not too far from that. How often, hey, family, family, come on, come on, come on. We're at the beach, let's go. Take a picture, everybody smile. You, smile, smile. Okay, go play, go play, go play. Oh, you're not listening. Let's go home. Everybody home. Get in the car. Nobody going no place. Everybody grounded. Send. Oh, look at this family. Look at hard. It's, that's how I want my family to be. <laughs> so we look at this and we think that's reality. But it's just a quick picture, a split second of what just took place. I mean, it would be so great if that was actual life. Imagine if, if, if our social media automatically posted what wasn't going well in our life. Automatically. It's like, oh, delete, 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 delete. Ah, oh, I never go to church. Delete, delete, delete. Where was last night? Oh, delete that, delete that, delete. You're like, we would panic. But we live in a world, we live in a world that if we can look good, then that's life. And Jesus says, boy, The thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants to not only give, but he also wants to, and you can write this in the last point, to restore. He wants to restore. That word restoration, many of us know it as when you do something uh, when you restore like a, a, a car, you restore furniture, you restore something that was, was bad or wasn't in good condition and you make it better. Uh, when I was growing up, we didn't have much money, so if we wanted a bike, we would have to make one. And so I didn't have a bike, so my brother said, you know what, let's make you a bike. We're going to go down to the, the metal scrap pile at the dump and let's go find you a bike. And I'm thinking, oh, you can find me a bike at the dump. He says, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. So we go to the dump, and on the side, there's this big pile of just all kinds of metal, and he's going through the, the, the rubbish, and he finds a nice frame. And he says, all we need to do is find a sprocket, some pedals, handlebar. And I'm thinking, that is ugly. I'm not going to ride that bike, and it's all this mod podge of different you know, parts. He says, no, 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 it'll be good. We're going to paint it. So we take it home, and he says, all you need to do is sand down all the paint. Just sand it down to bare metal. So I sanded it down to bare metal, got everything. And, it, and so it was just bare metal. 
And he says, okay, now we're going to prime it. I said, okay. So he teaches me how to prime it. So I spray paint it, get it all good. He says, good, let it dry, let it cure. And then now you're going to wet sand it. I said, what? I just painted it primer. I got a wet sand. He says, yeah, that way it becomes smooth. So I wet sand and, and get this all nice and good. And he says, okay, now you primer it again. I'm like, what? Waste time. I just primed it. He said, no, no, no. This is part of the process. So just prime it again. And so I'll prime it, prime it, prime it. He says, okay, let that cure. Now it's all good. Now sand it again. I'm like, what? I, I'm taking away what I just did. He says, no, no, you're making it better. I said, this doesn't make sense. He says, just trust me. Just, now you wet sand it again, and now you use a finer grit of sandpaper. So he kept doing that, and I said, wow, why do I have to do this again? He says, because there's some flaws. You have to, you have to smooth out the flaws. And finally, I get that all done. And this is days going by. And then he says, okay, perfect. Now you paint it. <laughs> okay, so you find a color. We paint it, and he says, perfect, let it cure. And then when it cured, he says, okay, now sand that. I'm like, this no can. I want to ride bike Today, today is, I, I'm building this today. I want to ride bike today. I want to play Chase Master today. I want to jump ramp today. I like cross up today. I want to ride my bike and play follow the leader today. This is taking weeks and weeks and weeks. He says, I know, but you'll like it when it's done. And I'm getting frustrated because I have to paint this thing. So I finally get the, the finished product and it's nice and shiny. And then he says, sand it. One more time, and I, I, it's just frustrating. Finally, we get it done, put everything together, and it was nice. Now, I was probably eight years old, so it was as nice as I saw it to be. To me, it was shiny, so it was good. And then I rode bike to 7-Eleven. <laughs> and I was just cruising down the highway and feeling good about my new bike, and my friends were like, oh, that's, that's your new bike? I was like, yeah. You know how you get free wheel, you spin them. <laughs> so like, so like, yeah, it's my new bike. And they're looking at my bike, they're checking it out, and they're like, oh, this is so nice. And, and it felt good. And I loved my bike. Because I spent so much time with my bike, that's why I fell in love with it. But I knew, I knew, the, I knew where my bike came from. I knew what had to be done to get it to the place where it needed to be. And it was fine. Yeah, the, the restoration process was difficult, and I hated going through that process, but boy, the end result, I couldn't imagine. That's the restoration process that Jesus wants to do with us. Now, for many, for myself, he had to take me down to bare metal, like just scratch everything from the life that you know of, now we're going to rebuild from this point on. We're going to sand you down, and sanding is rough. That's why when we feel like the, the owies from God, the little, ah, 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 the little stings, it's for our good. He's going to intend it for good. The pain that we go through, he can intend it for good. He can come back and just put a nice coat of primer and then sand again. And then primer again. And then sand again. Why? Because we still have imperfections. And he keeps working with us, keeps restoring us, adds joy to our life and peace and kindness and hope and a joyful future. The plans that he has for us are for good, not for evil. He adds all of this and he keeps working on us over and over again. And for some of us, we're thinking, I want a joyful life today. I want to live today. I want my marriage to be good today. I want him to change today. I want her to change 
today. I want them to be different. Change my kids now, now before I kill them. I, I need them changed now. I want the finances now. And God is saying, hang on, there's a restoration process that you may not like right now, but the end result will be good because people will see your life and they're, they're going to know where you came from. <laughs> the dump. They're going to know where you came from because that's what life was like before Christ. As Paul says, I count it all rubbish. But then in the restoration process, by the time God is in our life and people see his good works, they glorify him who is in heaven. See, there's a, there's a process that we go through that if we trust God, he's saying, what I'm doing right now, you may not understand, but I'm adding life. Life more abundant. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm adding something to your life right now. Psalm 23 is known as a shepherd psalm. But verse 3 says it like this, that he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not for our name's sake. It's not for our reputation. It's not for us to look good. It's so that for his name's sake, people find him. How else will people in the common world with an average life get to know God with an average life as a Christian? If we're all just average and blend in with the world, how will they find God? They have to find someone whose life is more abundant. Not richer, not more as in bigger house or things, but just a life that cannot be explained, a life that shines out in the rest of the world that when people see that life, they say something is different about this life. That's not common for that person. It's not common for humanity to have what they have. I, I can't explain it, but there's just something different. And then it's all led back to God. See, we have choices to make. We can live a life for God or we can just blend in and be average with the rest of the world. But when he restores your soul, that's from the inside out. He's getting down to bare metal because he's restoring you as a person. Not to change your behavior. That's, a, that's probably a result of the restoration of our soul. But when he restores our soul, it's more than just behavior. It's life-changing. You, you wake up every day with a new purpose and a joyful one. We're going to read this scripture together, our last scripture, Psalm 118, verse 24. This is our response. Let's read this scripture together. Ready? Go. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, love as if it's the only action you know. Live as if that's the source is coming from God. You're not living because things are going well. You're living and you're living a life more abundant because God is providing it. And you, you live in such a way that, yeah, you recognize that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But you live in such a way that it's life and life more abundant. See, when, when Jesus gives us this life, he doesn't offer us augmented reality. He doesn't offer us a fake life to behave well and look good. He says, no, no, this is real life. This is a, there's, a, there's a real life transformation that takes place. And it's an eternal life. It's more abundant. 
This way, if you're, if you're ever out there in the world and, and you're tempted to do certain things or you're tempted by the enemy or the enemy comes by and he says, you know what, I, I'm going I'm to steal something from you. Because you're living your life for God, you're shining for him, then the devil is not able to steal or to kill and destroy because your power comes from the sun. Your power comes from the son of God. That's your resource. And no one can take that away. That's your relationship with him. And he gives you life. And he gives you life more abundantly. I say today, let's rejoice and be glad in it that God has allowed us to rediscover what life truly is about. Amen. We're going to close our Bibles and we're going to pray. And these are the moments that when we seek God, that we're able to receive from him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to I give you a, just a thought that if you, if you know Jesus, have you been living life more abundantly? Or have you just been existing, trying to do the so-called Christian thing, forgetting that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory? Maybe you've been listening and you've been checking things out. You've been searching for the things of God. And, and maybe you're wondering, how do I live this new life then? Well, where do I even begin? Well, it begins with God giving you a new heart. It's just asking him to come into your life. It's called salvation. It's a new life in him. And you might be worried and, and you Maybe thinking about, so, so what do I do after that? You don't need to worry about that. That's, that's on the Lord. His responsibility is your new life. Your responsibility is to love him. He, he takes care of the difficult things. You just love him. And I want to speak to those who have never said yes to Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you just felt a tug on your heart, maybe for a couple of weeks. And you've been sensing that, well, God wants to do something with my life, but I've been afraid, I've been fearful, or maybe you didn't know how to. Whatever the case would be. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Which means it's a decision away from life more abundant. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my life. I want to exchange my old stone heart for this new receptive heart. If that's you, would you just lift a hand real briefly? And I want to pray with you that God will see your hand, but you'll also hear your prayers. God sees you. Yeah, right there, right there. God hears you. He sees your prayers. He hears your prayers and he sees your heart. God sees you right here. Yeah, God bless you right there. Yeah, right here. God sees you. Yeah, you're giving your heart to him. It's an it's a eternal transformation. God sees you too. Yeah. May God bless you. You can put your hands down. How many of us, even as believers, boy, it, the devil is stealthy. He's crafty. But we're going to live life more abundant. Not augmented reality, but life more abundant. And if you're a believer today, this morning, and you're saying, Lord, that's me. I'm going to choose to rejoice and be glad in this day, every day, 
If that's you, would you lift the hand and you're just responding to the Lord and saying, Lord, that's me. I want to live life for you more abundantly. Yeah, that's us, Lord. You put your hands down. Let's all pray this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus. As you repeat after me, just include your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I will follow you. I trust you. And I thank you for giving me a new life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, that's our prayer. I pray that as we leave these doors today, that we will rejoice and be glad in the day that you have blessed us with. I pray for our marriages, our families, that we would continue to rediscover the life that you have given to us, that we are your people. We belong to you. And therefore, the source of life has always been given to us, and it'll never go away. Even though we may have some flaws, you just keep restoring us. We trust in you, Lord. Thank you for helping us to rediscover life. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together, amen.